Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Richard Wiseman. What a delight to have Richard on the show. Uh, thank you, Richard, if you're listening. I'm sure you don't have time for it, but you never know. Perhaps you're at another ideas meeting. Uh, so, so much fun. And what a delight again to have you uh, here on Face to Face. We we talk about uh, Richard's new book that he co-wrote with uh, David Copperfield called The History of Magic. Some of you know that I've been doing magic for many years and have a deep love for it. And and this is a beautiful new book. You, you need to have a, a look at it online uh, for sure uh, consider getting it as a christmas gift for someone it's it's a it's a it's a smaller coffee table book but it's stunning it's gorgeous it's it's about magic it's about mystery it's about wonder it's about history uh, it's about the first smart home um, that was designed by a, a guy by the name of robert houdin uh, and some of you may know that name but Check the book out uh, uh, online or where where books are sold. It's called David Copperfield's History of Magic. And Richard and I chat about that. We talk about why he was involved, but we also talk about so many other things. And this was just a real, as I said, a real delight for me uh, to have Richard on the show. I I hope he'll come back. But we talk about the psychology of magic. We talk about mystery and wonder. We talk about Dale Carnegie and how important how to win friends and influence people was uh, for him. And interestingly, it was a book that I read at quite a young age as well. We talk about why it's quite handy uh, to be likable. We we talk about Monty Python and comedy and humor and how you can uh, kind of uh, break down the fourth wall uh, through a sense of humor by by going in a different direction, by turning things on their head. We talk about luck and, and why good ideas are, are, are sticky. We talk about the world's funniest joke and and why flexibility is so important. We talk about this thing called tunnel vision and how we can get caught in these ruts. And 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 we talk. This was fascinating for me. But we talk about this idea of observation and what so many of us miss uh, along the way. We talk about two kinds of silence. If this doesn't grab you, I'm not sure what will. But bored silence. And fascinated silence. I made a comment about ideas meetings, but but you know, uh, Richard and I have quite quite a, a bit of fun around this. But also, we talk about why um, opening up and why listening at an ideas meeting uh, at a brainstorming session, uh, where you come together with a group of people to talk about creative projects, why that's so important, and why you want to get people. Um, to loosen up. Can, can you get a sense here for some of the places that we went, Richard and I? And and like I said, we just had so much, almost too much fun uh, doing this interview. I hope you hope you enjoy it. I hope you uh, look into uh, some of Richard's work. You can find him out on a line, millions of views online. 
and um, uh, uh, many books. Uh, 59 Seconds is a book I'm ordering as well uh, today. So uh, check him out online, richardwiseman.com. The book is David Copperfield's History of Magic. And uh, so, oh, wow, so much more going on than meets the eye, it seems to me. And isn't it wonderful that, that, that uh, well, I think it's wonderful that we are, during this crazy COVID-like era, still able to connect with people in, in a new way, in a digital way, and yet still have, you know, uh, meaningful uh, contact. And it's just, uh, I f- Richard, I feel like I'm a better person having uh, had this conversation with you today. So thank you for that. RichardWiseman.com, David Copperfield's History of Magic. Check it out. Uh, and coming right up, stay tuned here on Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today. I, I can't believe we've got uh, uh, that Richard Wiseman is here uh, today. That's I'm just going to say it. Richard, thank you for joining us. I mean, how, how many of my listeners probably already know who you are? That's Maybe that should be the first question. Thanks for joining um, us today. It's yeah, I can't put a precise figure on it. It's very <laughs> difficult. Um, but I know who I am. So that's one. And I listen. Uh, you know who I am. That's two. I mean, numbers are already going up. If they carry on like this... <laughs> We're, we're going to be in the thousands. Richard, so, yeah, thank far, you. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have you. And it's far too early in the morning here in Toronto to be to be dealing with this kind of comedy right out of the gate. This is uh, you're doing this eight a.m. Apparently, your time. That's um, that's remarkable. Second I mean, cup I, of I coffee, Richard. I, I don't exist. I exist around about eleven a.m. Um, I exist about. See, I'm even now. Like it's it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I can't even say the sentence that I wanted to say. That's and then you're doing well at eight a.m. Um, and English, and English is your mother tongue. So apparently, what I wanted yeah. to say was I didn't really exist until eleven a.m. Um, but uh, I didn't. Instead, I just sort of came up with a different uh, form of of wordage, and it made no sense at all. Is that in a? So you don't exist in a metaphysical sense, Richard, or? in a physical sense i literally don't exist i i come into being around about 11 a.m right. and then i i i don't unfortunately i cease being at about 11 30 there's, there's only there's only a 30 minute period uh which makes all my achievements even more impressive because i've accomplished them all in only 30 minutes each day so so tell me why did you go into psychology why didn't you go into comedy this is the way uh, well, for reasons that are probably becoming apparent to your listeners. <laughs> oh, man, I, this is fantastic. I'm, I, I'm just... I, well, I, so I, I got into magic very young um, yes. when I was about eight years old. And the reason I got into psychology was I read a book on magic, but I was probably, I don't know, 15 or something. And it said that in order to be a good magician, it'd be quite handy if you were likable. And one of the best books to read on likability was um, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Hmm. So I read yep. that book. I thought that it was just a great book. So it's a fantastic book. Um, and I, th- I thought that's what psychology was. And so I enrolled for a degree in London um, on psychology and spent three years doing that. And that's how I got into psychology. What I didn't realize is that most psychology is, is really dull and that Carnegie stuff was really interesting in comparison. So there's a, a little bit of uh, readjustment to do. But yeah, it's all down to magic and Carnegie. Yeah, it's you know, it's interesting you bring that book up. I read that at, a, at quite a young age as well. It had a, a huge impact on me. And I, I know you've done a lot of work on on the self-help movement and whatever, whatever that means. But I, I know you have uh, a lot to say about that. And I mean, wasn't Carnegie one of the forerunners, would you say, of, of you know, yeah. I, I think of, um, do you remember... Um, do you remember Robert Fulgham, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? That was another one that, that had Oh, okay. I don't think we had that over here. Um, but no, I, so I think Carnegie was very, very early. And what's interesting, I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with Carnegie because he's so good. And I could not work out why that book was so such a pleasure to read. And then I chatted to his biographer. And it turns out that he spent about a decade going around North America giving talks and those chapters are the transcripts of the talks. Oh, okay. So he's actually writing to be read. And, and that's very different. When you start to give talks, you realize that there's a particular way of speaking and you have to use examples all the time and, sure. and remind people what you just said. It's not the same as, as the written word. And I think the book is amazing in part because of that. I also found out that he kept a diary Carnegie kept a diary, but it was a really unusual diary because instead of writing down what positive psychologists would tell you to do today, which is all the things that have gone well, he used to write down uh, what he would call damn stupid things that I've done today. 
and what I intend to do to stop them happening in the future. Oh, that's so fantastic. Ev- it's great. Every night he would go, what was the, the silly thing I said, the daft decision I made, the, the thing that I now regret, and what am I going to do tomorrow to stop that happening? So uh, it's a great piece of advice. Really, really good. And all that comes from Carnegie, you know, just that idea which magicians use as well, you know, remembering people's names. That's, that's kind of helpful. You know, not wanting to kick over the, the beehive if you want to collect the honey. You know, all these, sure. these sort of wonderful, memorable phrases, they're all in there. It pains me to say it because I, I didn't write the book and I get no money right. uh, from the book. So sales, he, co- he so. covered it all. He covered it pretty much between that pretty and much. how to pretty much and how to uh, stop worrying and start living. You know, um, Richard, yeah. it's it's really interesting that, that what was the phrase? It was it was written um, to be to be read. I mean, often it, it would uh, be read out loud in a to sense. be read out loud, almost like yes. poetry. Yes, and also, well, I mean, I. I I've given lots and lots and lots of talks before the pandemic. I was speaking two or three times a week. And it is is a different art form to writing because the the, the beats are different. And and right. the sense of drama is different, and and it's that there's you, you often have to repeat yourself, you know. So if I'm right. talking about luck, for example, you know, I might say a lot of people ask me, you know, what do I need to do to be lucky? And it's a great question. It is. What changes can you make to your life right now that will increase the luck in your right? That's how you'd say it, but you wouldn't write it like that. And and so what was great about Carnegie? He was taking those transcripts, which he knew worked live, and putting them into print. Yeah, it's so good. What is what a great what a great piece of advice and for 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 speakers, for creators, for for artists of any kind, theater, um, uh, you know, anyone on stage, really, right? It's 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 uh, it's wonderful. I you know I don't we're well into this conversation on face to face, and again, thank you for joining me and and already having have, having so much fun, and I hope our listeners are too. And for those who don't know you, I hope their interest is peaked. Uh, there's there's so much to learn about you, Richard. You, you know what you born in Luton. My father was from Luton. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I still have family who live in Luton. Come on. What's going on with that? I was born on the 16th of September, Richard. You were born on the 17th, I think. Uh, I was, well, uh, yes, indeed. So my okay. goodness, there, there's so many parallels there. So explain to <laughs> us. Right. I mean, Luton's, <laughs> Luton's. How come it's a, taken so long for us to meet, Richard? We are long. We're like long lost brothers. It's that's it's right. amazing the bond I feel. Um, well, that's great. I didn't know. I don't meet many people who've got family in Luton. So we, we should explain. That's a, a city just um, north of London. That's and, exactly. Yeah. That's where, yeah. yeah. That's. That uh, can be, you and, know what? How about we decide right now? to do a second podcast and we're just going to talk about the city of Luton. I, that, that would be interesting. Uh, yes. It'd be interesting to us too. I don't know whether it'd be interesting to anyone else. I want to, Hey, Richard, I'll, I want to see the data on, on that podcast, how well that one does. Uh, well, uh, the, the good folks are Luton or listen. That's right. That's right. So well. what, what, what are we here? What are we doing here today? I have this profound love. I've got no idea. Love I've got no idea. Oh, profound. sorry. I, right. I too, like you, have this profound love for magic, and I've been doing it most of my life since a young boy. Nine, uh, I read Carnegie as well. There's another connecting point for us. But um, tell tell me about this guy David Copperfield and this this new book called History uh, of Magic. I mean, what a gorgeous piece! I just thankfully got my copy a few days ago. Well into it, stunning book, uh, wonderful history, so rich. Tell me some more about about why people need to read this and and, and maybe even a quick shout out as to where they can get it. Well, hopefully they can get it uh, in all good uh, bookstores and online and everything. In terms of the genesis, and so so, uh, I oh, three years ago I went to a, a conference in Vegas. And a friend of mine had some uh, tickets to go and see David's show. We go and see the show. It's amazing. Uh, David invites us backstage. We have a chat with him. And he says, come and look around this museum because he has a secret museum of magic in Vegas. And it's colossal. It's like the sort of Smithsonian of magic. I've heard, I've heard rumors, Richard. It's you know, hundreds of thousands of items. It's, it's beautiful. Wow. Um, because of the secrecy, it's, it's not open to the public. He can't do that. And so he gives these private tours. And we go right. on a private tour. And... I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to open that up to the public via a book? And so it's a book that celebrates my love of magic, your love of magic uh, as, as well, David's love of magic. And it talks about the objects in some of the key objects in the museum, what that tells us about magic, psychology, uh, how magic has influenced science and technology and, and so on. 
So uh, the book came out a couple of weeks ago after we've been working on it for three years and, and Homer did a great job of photos. There's another magician, David Britland, and Gorgeous. in it as well. It's uh, stunning. I mean, it really, it really is, is stunning. stunning. It's, it's a coffee table book. It's about 270 pages, glossy pages. It looks great. And so I say, I say to my mum, I said, I've got this book coming out on, on history of magic. It's the first one I've written really about history of magic. And she said, oh, no, it's your, it's your second book on history of magic. And I thought, no, she's wrong. And then she goes into the loft in our house in Luton, comes back, because it turns out that when I was um, 12 years old, I wrote a school project on the history of magic. That's awesome. And this, this book, uh, which is sitting here right now, is about 40 pages long. And it's got all some of the same material which uh, we're covering in the uh, Copperfield book. But it also has a picture of David Copperfield in that school project. Oh, that's awesome. And please, I thought, if you please tell me you shared that with David, that he has. Oh, a he, he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I and, hope and it's one of how many how many books does he have in his museum? It's I mean, we're talking thousands, right? Oh, so, it's, uh, tens of thousands, yeah. tens of thousands. And yes. did you get did you get a special place on one of those shelves? Not with that one. That, that school project staying here. Um, <laughs> <Right>. but, <laughs> and that's that's soon to be released by Simon and Schuster as well, isn't that's it? Correct. That's correct. That's that's the, the add-on. That's right. Yes. Word on the street. And, and, and basically, people have got a year to try and decipher my handwriting and right. uh, work out what's in there. That is but, really it's but isn't so astonishing. Cool. You know, if you'd have told 12-year-old Wiseman that one yeah. day he'll be writing a book with David Copperfield and, and you know, a big glossy affair, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I was sure. a kid from, from Luton. And, and so, you know, dreams do happen. And, and magic is such a fantastic world. Things like that do happen. It's a small world. It's a very interconnected world. Well, uh, so, yeah, fantastic. Richard, let's, I mean, I, let's talk about David Copperfield for a second. I mean, again, beautiful book. I've seen him live several times. I look to my left and there's a framed copy of the Statue of Liberty uh, poster mm. signed to me back in the, oh, I don't know, 80s at what used to be called the O'Keefe Center when he blew... Uh, close to 3000 people's minds on one night when he was in town for a few days. I mean, this is a guy who's still doing, what is it? Three, four, 500 shows a, a year. It's um, astonishing. I mean, he does two shows every single day in Vegas, three at the weekends. It's astonishing. It's, it's astonishing. Yeah. When you said, dream, you know, about dreams and, and just this, this idea of wonder, and there's a beautiful line that uh, David, I'm just trying to think of it. It's early on in the book. He says this endless appetite for wonder, you know, mm -hmm. what was David's first stage name? Davino, wasn't it at about the age of nine? I mean, yes. you, here you are writing your book, you, you know, at 12, here's David Copperfield before all of this we have before us. And, and he too is 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 imagining and dreaming, and he steps into this magic store in New York, and everything changes. It's just it's brilliant. It, it's on yeah, and I, and I think that's that's one of the amazing things about magic: the mindset it gives you, which is that mm. you routinely think of something impossible and then figure out a way of doing it. Mm. That's what magicians do. That's their second nature, and 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 so I I, I think that's that's kind of. An, an astonishing mindset that, that what whatever you think you think okay so i've got this dream well we all know it's not enough to have the dream you've got to figure out a way of doing it and and because lots of things they do are impossible they've got to come up with some pretty lateral solutions right and and of course that's true in everyday life you know you have this impossible dream you think oh hold on a second if i see this completely differently or i do the opposite my go-to bit of creativity uh or creative advice is just do the opposite to everyone else <laughs> uh, you know, right. when, nice. when they're going big, you go small, uh, and vice versa. Just do the opposite. So, you know, I did some shows here a few years ago in uh, Edinburgh where, you know, everyone, because I'm involved in the Edinburgh Festival, which is this huge arts festival, largest mm. arts festival in the world. Everyone comes through with shows. How do you stand out? And I thought, well, everyone's show has got people on stage. That's the one thing that I will guarantee you. So I will do a show with no one on stage. And that's what we did. We did a show mm. where people came in, they took part in psychology experiments via a huge PowerPoint presentation and props and so on, but there was no one on stage. Now, just that simple thought of doing the opposite to what sure. everyone else had done meant that we sold out and we got a lot of press and so on. So it's always my go-to bit of creative advice. Yeah, turn 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 things on their turn things on their head. I mean, isn't that what you're getting at about create, creating your own luck? Yeah, it's to some extent. Yeah, I mean the, the luck work. Um, which, I mean, all these things come out of 
odd chance conversations often sure, uh, sure. so the you know luck work is now like 20 years old and it came out of a conversation essentially with a colleague who was talking to people about key events in their lives and you know said a lot of them describe themselves as lucky and unlucky and i thought that's a really interesting concept and and often the, the best thoughts are there but they kind of pass us by and it's a mm. question of stopping going hold on a minute the thing you said there you know instead of just going on and, with, and doing whatever I wanted I was planning to do with my research hold on a minute you just said something really interesting let's change direction and that turned into the luck project which was the, to the lives and minds of um, about a thousand exceptionally lucky and unlucky people so would you I mean you know again once once if I'm, I'm I'm sort of speaking to some of my listeners who may not know who you are I mean your background fascinating hundreds of millions of views on YouTube uh, you're I, I want to know what the public understanding of psychology is by the way um, uh, you know your 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 width and your breadth and your depth I mean it's 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 really remarkable uh, Richard are you do you also share this endless appetite for wonder? What I guess I'm trying to get at is, are, uh, are you just a big kid, maybe, is the question, Richard, you know? Um, I, I think I am. I mean, that old joke of when I want to, uh, when I grow up, I want to be a magician, and you, know, you can't be, you can't do both. Um, sure. You know, is, is, I, th I think magicians are kids. That's right. Um, I, I think what I, so we should explain to folks, I, I started life as a magician, then I became a psychologist, uh, I've done quite a lot on YouTube, there's a channel called Quicology, which has a lot of sort of magical thinking stuff on there, and then I've written books on luck and um, self-help and, and so on. Um, he's under, he's understating folks, just so you know, but yeah, well, go ahead. I did, yeah. did a little bit of research along the way, uh, and I think what interests me more than anything else is just smart ways of doing stuff. When I, 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 when I come across things that are different, things that are smart, things that are sticky. And what I mean by sticky is if you've got an idea and you go to a party, um, mention your idea to people and see what they ask you questions about it. If they don't, your idea probably doesn't interest them very much. Hmm. And, and I think it's a bit like performing magic. You know whether you've got something or not by the whites of their eyes. You know, you're standing in front of people. That's how you know. You don't know, same as comedy, you don't know whether something's funny or not by telling yourself the joke. You know it when you're standing in front of an audience. That's when you find out. And it's the same with ideas. You know, good ideas fly. They, they're sticky. They're, they get into your mind and you can't get rid of them. So, you know, many, many years ago, we were looking for a big national experiment. Um, so my stuff involves the public in this country. And we wanted an experiment that would involve the whole nation, uh, involve families, um, and, and so on. And just as I walked into the room to pitch for that, that um, uh, funding, I said, okay, what I'm going to do is search the world's funniest joke. Now, that is a sticky idea. Mm -hmm. Once you've heard that idea, love it or hate it you'll have questions you'll go so you did what well what is the world's funny does it even make sense to, to talk about the world's funniest joke sure. and and it's a sticky idea mention it to people at parties it'll start conversations and so that's what we did for a year and people can read about that on the internet but it's just an example of the sorts of ideas i love and magic is full of smart ideas um, you know where I'm going. I just I'm, I'm going to just uh, nerd out here a little bit on Monty Python. This is Norman Scribbler. He's about to write the world's yes. most funniest joke, and as a result, die laughing from it. <laughs> Not many people would know that. So yeah, absolutely. So that that was one of them. Uh, yes, that was one of our inspirations. Uh, Norman for that. Richard Norman Scribbler is hysterical. It's extremely funny. Now the other <laughs> thing about Monty. So the other thing about Monty Python is um, I. In my head, in my head, I'd seen a Python sketch where, as an observer, you didn't notice these incongruous characters in the background. Sure. And I'd seen it when I was maybe, I don't know, I don't know 15 or something like that. And I couldn't find the, uh, the sketch. Hmm. And I was interested in it because it, uh, I'm interested in observation and what people miss. I happened to bump into Michael Palin at a, uh, a kind of event we were doing. And I mentioned it to him and he said, oh, I know the sketch, I'll, I'll send it over to you. And I remember writing it and we spoke about the background of it. And then I ended up doing an academic paper on that sketch. Oh, that's awesome. 
so it was why so basically the sketch is a sort of world war one sketch and then there's some characters talking and then the director comes on and and says hold on a second can we just lose all the characters that aren't involved in this sketch and you realize there's a viking there like an astronaut there and right. you just hadn't you hadn't spotted them uh so yeah i i the python actually did inspire some oh that's awesome as well. where can where can you access can you access that essay online yeah, yeah, it's Richard Wiseman, um, Monty Python will probably do it or research or something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's open access, so it's all there. Well, yeah. just so you know, that's the first thing I'll be searching soon as <laughs> soon as our, our call is done today. I just I so want to talk about Monty Python as well. It just cracks me up. You you the 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 the, the genius of some of their their work, you know, oh, it's, it's really very funny. Really yeah, it's remarkable. like a lot of comedy. You know, it's it's, it's very creative. You just said something that's fascinating to me, you know, having having been a, you know, I don't know, a, a student of wonder, I suppose, for years, as as corny as that might sound for some people, but, you know, having studied philosophy, you know, Plato, Descartes, I mean, Aristotle, most of the, the, the greats talk about philosophy beginning in wonder, you know, and magic, you know, beginning in wonder and David in, you know, I think it was page seven of, 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 by the way, David Copperfield's history of magic, you gotta get it. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, coffee table book, as Richard says, and it's a fun, interesting, wonderful read, but he talks about this endless appetite for wonder. You just said something, you said observation and what people miss is what fascinates you. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I mean, is that about is that about being present, Richard? Is that about paying attention to, I don't know, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's being more a little more that. focused? I think when it comes to ideas, big ideas for projects, I think what we tend to do is get, is get a bit tunnel visioned mm. and we go, this is our way forward. This is sure. what we are doing. And at the early stage of any project i think you have to be prepared to throw all of that out wow. and do something completely different uh to use a python phrase <laughs> and now for something um, <laughs> completely different yeah, yeah and, and it's why you know I have, I have a wonderful research team and sometimes i annoy the heck out of them because i tell them we're going to go in one direction and then a week in i go you know what we're all heading in a different direction and i think that requires a certain type of thinking a certain type of flexibility i can remember uh, I was going to write a book on happiness very early on in the sort of, there's a lot of books out there now on happiness, but this was very early on. And so I went to see a friend of mine who's CEO of quite a big corporation and we had lunch and she said, okay, so what's, you're going to do this thing on happiness. What's the secret of happiness? I started to talk. She glazed over and said, you know, I'm quite a busy person. Can you shorten it down a bit? I said, how long have you got? And she said about a minute. And I thought, that's an interesting concept. Can you explain happiness in a minute? And now, what else can you explain? And in my head, I rushed forward and thought, there's all this psychology stuff. You can, you know, quick fixes about motivation, uh, about happiness, uh, about parenting, about relationships. There's loads of ideas now flooding into my head, quick things you can explain in a minute or less. And that became, that conversation became the basis for 59 Seconds, which is probably the sort of best known book that I've, I've done. Well, um, which is, yeah. which is a, a brilliant uh, notion to me, 59 Seconds. I was, I, I had this idea that um, one of the last things I was going to say to you, uh, Richard, we've got 59 seconds left to go in our interview. What, what, what can you tell, <laughs> <laughs> what, what piece of wisdom do you have for my listeners on Face to Face? So, um, but, it, but it, 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 the fact is that it's, that, I could easily have just ignored that comment and gone and written my book of, on happiness. Of, of it's, course. It's listening to that and going, you know what? That's a better idea than the one I've got. And let me head off in that direction. And originally that book was called 60 Seconds, right. which isn't such a great title. I was doing a talk and I said, it's things you can learn in less than a minute. And some nerdy person put up their hand and said, it's less than a minute. It should be 59 seconds. And at that point, we were almost going to press with 60 and I phoned up my editor. I said, this is a way better title. We have to stop everything. Stop all the marketing, stop all the advertising, sure. all the Amazon pre-order. We need to call this 59 seconds. And, and luckily he went with that because um, it's a much better title. And that's what I mean. It's that finding the sweet spot of flexibility, I think, is, is, is so important. So, Richard, I'm fascinated. What, what, what makes you more... Hmm. I want to say this in the most inclusive way that I can. What makes you more open to that than say another person at that same party who's having that same conversation? Why is it at your age with 
you know, the, the millions of views, your academic background, your CV, et cetera, you said, wow, that's brilliant. I'm now going to explore that because I, I don't, you know, you talked about this tunnel vision. We, we, it's so easy to get caught up in that 200 kilometer rut. Yeah. Right. Is it, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, absolutely at it with it, your, it, it, yeah. I, I think that's right. And, and because at some point you have to, you can't keep on changing plans at some right. point, you know, you, you've got to go with yeah. something. You'd, and that's why you'd, I call you'd it have to find shot. a new publisher pretty quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's pull the whole thing and do a different book. Um, although that happened as well. I actually changed courses completely on a book, but I thought it didn't work. So I, I, what is it? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm dyslexic. Maybe that is a, sort of part of it is that I've got quite a short attention span. Um, I don't actually enjoy reading. That's why I enjoy thinking a great deal. Hmm. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's magic teaches you to be very flexible. If you're doing performing, um, my goodness, you need to be flexible because you're listening to that audience. I always say that as a speaker, there's two sorts of silence. There's bored silence from an audience and there's fascinated silence. Right. And unless you've got a very expert ear, they sound the same and they're terrible things to confuse. <laughs> right. so, um, you know, even as a speaker, you, you, you've, you've got to be changing tack all the time, depending on, on what the audience are telling you, even through silence. So maybe it's those experiences. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a wonderful uh, lesson for for all of us, frankly, you know, I think there's a humility in it to be able to say, well, I think it also speaks to, you know, a lot of my work as a consultant, as my listeners will know, is in international development. And I think one of the things that we get, I think, so wrong about, we just, we, we come in with a clipboard instead of uh, just coming in and sitting down and saying, hey, tell me more, right? Mm, like this idea yes. of listening, where where did we lose that along the way? Yeah. I, so I think that's really important. Whenever, whenever I go to ideas meetings, I think it's really bad to walk in with an idea. I, I, what I try to do is not have ideas. And you either have them as you literally walk through the door. There seems to be something about walking through a door frame. But go in and listen to people. Mm. Listen to them. And sometimes they'll tell you the the key phrase, it will be in the middle of a sentence and they didn't realize it themselves. And you go, that's the phrase. That's the one that resonates with me. Mm. And it's trying to get rid of preconception, I, I, I suppose, and just kind of being open to the moment and open to alternative ways of looking. There's that lovely phrase, isn't it? There's nothing so dangerous as a person with just one idea. Um, so, you know, kind of generate four or five and see where you get to. Um, but don't generate the first one that quickly you know let it let it percolate i love i love i love that and uh, help me out here but i think you're you're talking a little bit about a community of ideas too by the way i think it's hilarious that you go to ideas meetings i think that's in itself <laughs> kind of funny um, do you not go to ideas meetings? <laughs> hey yeah, I- i'm gonna check my calendar richard to see when my next ideas meeting is yeah oh my goodness i spent half my life in ideas meetings where people kind of go <laughs> no, we need I- a new podcast we need a new feel and what they do is brilliant because they they think they've contributed by saying we need a hit TV show. And you go, yeah, well, I, I was assuming that. Have you got any ideas? They go, no, no, that's why you're in the room, Wiseman. Uh, so, yeah, no, no, I, I brainstorm stuff um, that's awesome. all the time. Well, I think though you, you're, you the comment, what I took from that was there, there's there's this community. You're stepping into this through this doorframe. And you're not coming in with anything sort of preconceived necessarily. You've certainly got ways forward and opinions. And I, you know, I was going to say ideas, but ideas about ideas. How's that? But you're open to this group to say, what do you think? Can I hear more, et cetera? Rooted it in questions. Rooted again, we're back to an appetite for wonder, it seems to me. Yeah, I think so. I often mess around i think humor is a great tool because it does open our minds to alternative ways of seeing things so So often the first few minutes of any of those meetings i am messing around um and so and 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 try to get people to loosen up there's a great phrase and then the other thing i mean ideas meetings the other thing you want to do in ideas meetings is get the person to sorry let let me go back one tiny step uh i don't know whether you had connections over in canada the james burke science show it's i don't think they aired over there it is a uh, superb science show it's in the 80s i think and i spoke to james burke recently and i said why is this such a compelling piece of television and he said because in that show 
I would take readers, uh, sorry, take uh, viewers through a complicated argument, but I would always ensure that for the final bit, they got there one beat before me and it mm. made them feel really bright. Hmm. So they got there one beat and they, they would go, oh, that means, and they'd think of the theory or whatever, then I'd confirm it. And that's what you want in ideas meetings. You want to persuade the other people they thought of the ideas because it's much easier to sell an idea when it comes out of their mouth, not mine. Right, and right. There's that lovely phrase of, you know, uh, lots of people have good ideas when I'm in the room. Uh, and that, that's kind of what you want. And it takes the ego out of it as well. Well, I think that's, I think to some degree earlier on when I was asking you about openness, I think, you know, humility and, 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 and ego yep. is, I think there's something to be said about that when you're, when you're, I guess ideas meetings are whiteboard sessions. They're, they're, they're brainstorming sessions. I mean, I, yeah. I, I actually, I, I, I truly have never heard anyone call it an ideas meeting before. And I think, I think it's wonderful. And it's, it's, uh, it makes a great deal of sense to me. And I love this idea of breaking down those that fourth wall those barriers through humor and and frankly through relationship Richard I think it's again it's brilliant yeah I know often I, I try to think what I do in them I mean often the first part will be me messing around saying that we've got nothing like so if it's an ad or something <laughs> way to you go, way to affirm the group Richard yeah okay we've got nothing we've got nothing here there's nothing here that works this is absolute I've never been this is the this worst is, group I've ever worked garbage yeah yes, yes this is my this is terrible this isn't gonna work <laughs> at all and, and it kind of as long as it's not true if it was true I wouldn't right. say it yeah. but if, if if it's not true people start to giggle and and stuff and it's that opposite thing instead of sort of sitting there being all thrusting and going oh let's, let's you know do all these kind of um techniques that people use to generate ideas none of which i think work particularly well uh i just think messing around is quite a good one yeah, actually i love i love that notion again sorry richard it goes goes to another um uh, monty python line for me uh, that's the philistine pig ignorance i've come to expect from you non-creative garbage <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> do you remember that one yeah i remember yeah, i grew up with python and beautiful. Uh, spike milligan hey, as well spike, yeah i i i'm getting the sense that i i could I mean, it's it's only you know it's just shy of eight thirty a.m. I've got all day, Richard. Do you? I mean, this is I'm just. Uh, we can so run, much yeah, fun. we can run another sort of fifteen minutes with nothing to talk with if you're happy. Yes. Yeah, you've me. got an you've got an ideas meeting coming up. I understand. I have. I actually, I actually have on, oh, on, on the hour. I have. So, yes. So listen, this thing called magic, it gets into your blood, doesn't it? I mean, so so, and and I think it's very clear, and I I love. David's new book, uh, History of Magic. Um, tell me, tell me about one of the characters. I want to ask you about the Human Index. I've always loved this guy. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? Because you know, David talks about how he he was able to 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 purchase this academic gown for 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 the museum, and he put it on, and he was just kind of disappointed that he wasn't able to step inside the method. I think yes. there's something really interesting here about magicians and about wonder and about technique and psychology. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, so with any magic effect, you have well the effect, the the kind of supernatural uh, magical bit, and then you have the method. And as we both know, often the methods are, you know, nothing more than a piece of thread or very a trap door or something. Always disappointing. And but most most methods are known in in magic. There's there's very very few that that aren't because David's got a colossal library and the magicians write things down. There's a character that comes along just after 1900, which is Arthur Lloyd. He's doing a kind of magic act in the sense that it's unbelievable. He comes right. on with an academic gown. He says to the audience, call out any type of printed matter and I'll produce it from inside the gown. I'll take it out from the gown. So they'll shout out birth certificates, marriage certificates, uh, a, you know, a membership card to this club. Just, you know, the, no parking the notion side. of it is funny, right? It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, a dry cleaning ticket for a pair of trousers, you know, all this, this stuff. And he would always produce it from the gown. So the, the method we kind of know, which is that he's got a vast amount of material inside this gown. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's all in pockets, all over the inside of the gown, as well as his um, a jacket under the gown and so on. What we don't know is the indexing system. We do not know how he found that stuff so quickly when you're looking at thousands of bits of paper. And so uh, David's very curious about it. The, uh, his gown comes up for sale. David buys it and two boxes arrive at the museum. One has got the gown inside and one has got all the pieces of paper because someone has removed all the paper from the gown. 
So David phones up the seller and says, what's happened? And the person said, well, I didn't want to send you over a dusty old academic gown. So I had it dry cleaned. So I took all the paper out. <laughs> in doing so, ruined the indexing system. Yeah. In doing so means we will never, ever know. He never who, wrote who, it down. Richard, who knew that the M in magic actually stood for moron in this case? <laughs> Um, I think it's trying to be helpful. And, uh, it, all, it, all went, it all went horribly wrong. Of course, wrong, so. it's super yes. kind and, and yes, generous. Kind. And, and it makes and perfect you, sense. But I yeah, just think you it's hilarious magic, you, that that's what you do. The yes. secret has been lost for all time. Ever. Forever. Not There's not many in magic, but that's one of them. So we talk about that in the book and talk about yeah, magician's search for secrecy. Um, the other story I love, actually, in the book is Houdini. And uh, so I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland, and when he was in Glasgow, not very far away from here, uh, he would always, so when he toured the world, he'd do these escapes where he'd be locked into the local uh, jail and he would escape. So he's locked into a prison cell in Glasgow and he can't get out. He can't pick the lock and he's going on for hours. And eventually uh, he's in frustration. He leans against the uh, cell door and it swings open because it's not ever been locked. <laughs> So he just assumed, like every other escape, someone had locked the door. He, it was that assumption that was keeping him trapped if inside it, the cell. If there's a, not a life lesson there, I don't know, yeah. you know exactly. where you and, find one. And then what I love about that is most magic works because audience members make assumptions that aren't true. In this instance, you know, one of the world's greatest magicians made an assumption and managed to lock himself in a cell that wasn't actually locked. It's it's wonderful. And this is what's what's so rich, I think, about the history of magic. You know, when when people find out I'm a magician now and I don't know if you share this or not, but I'm I'm in, uh, you know, mid mid 50s and I still have this deep love for, you know, vanishing a coin. And I, I have so many fond memories and it, we, we could we could share stories, I'm sure. But one of the things I talk about is that I find it becoming more of a historical and and an intellectual pursuit for me and I don't know if you you share that similarity like I love to perform still I love to you know do a, a great effect and pull people in but there's something so rich and this is what I love about about this book uh, and 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 and, and I, I hope I get to the museum one day but there's just something so rich and complex and and the the connections to magic and magicians is is really quite astounding I think that's right. I mean, I, performing magic is fun. I think I've been in it, like you, you know, a very long time. Yeah. You start to think about the past. You start to think about these rather eccentric characters. Yeah, for sure. That, that made their living on the fringes of society. Most of them from modest backgrounds. Yes. There's very few yes. Um, that, that, that come from wealthy backgrounds, wealthy families. Um, and we talk about that uh, in the book. And you start to think, what is going on here? Why do people in a world which is filled with astonishing science technology, you know, I can right. pick up my mobile phone, I can call the other side of the world. You can fire yet, missiles from your phone pretty much. Ab ab absolutely, I need to get that fixed. Um, but, <laughs> um, it, but So I've got all this technology around me and still when somebody puts a coin into their hand and opens their hand and it's no longer there, there's just a little part of me that goes, that's astonishing. Yeah, I just that's got, amazing. no joke, Richard, I just got goosebumps. No kidding. Like I just, it, it transported me and I've been vanishing coins for 50 years, but when I see somebody do it really well and you go, wow, is it possible? Did, yeah. is, it, is that real magic? Did that just yeah. happen? Now, of course, the problem is most people see bad magic. I mean, yes. most magicians or a lot of magicians are uh, terrible, terrible performers, uh, myself included. I mean, you know, I'm not a great magician. Um, and it's one of the funny things working with David Copperfield, who is this sort of legendary performer, yes. is, is that, uh, you know, I, I, I got to sort of chat with him about magic and, and the performance of magic, which was, you know, just sort of like a dream come true. Um, so, uh, so how's, this, how's, this double, how's this double lift, by the way? Um, I didn't ask him that. We, didn't, uh, we, we were spoken about stage illusions, which, uh, <laughs> yes. And, but, but there's that, you know, that, that most people see bad magic. Good magic, I think, is created collaboratively with mm. the audience. Nice. It's created with their, years ago, so another little story here. Years ago, I was, I was interviewing uh, another um, extremely well-known magician, very experienced magician. And I had a picture of them performing, I think, when they were seven. And I said, is this your first performance? And they said, oh, no, 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 it wasn't performance. That was me showing off. 
Well, that's I, really interesting. Yeah. I said, what's the difference? And they said, well, performers that show off are doing it for their own ego and own enjoyment. And performers that perform are doing it for the good of the audience. Mm. And I think for all of us, when we communicate, that's a key message. Are you saying these things for the good of the person opposite you or for your own ego? And, and whatever so you do. So good, that's a, Richard. Audience over ego. It's so absolutely. good. It's because you start to think, well, why, why am I saying that? Why am I telling that story? Why am I letting them know this, this, and that? You know, is this for their own good or just to make myself feel better? Um, and I think it, that really matters. And magicians need to shift, and the good ones do, to that perspective of giving people these wondrous experiences, which I think they need. I think it lifts us um, and, and makes us think that, that, you know, these things which we thought were impossible, you know, might one day be true. And right now, I think the world could do some hope, quite frankly. Yeah, it's uh, I have with, with without a doubt. And what 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 I love is there's a and I can't quote it. I'm I'm sure in one of these books, either on these shelves or in in another room in the house, uh, T. Nelson Downs talks about in 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 um, an introduction, I think, to 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 a book where he talks about technology one day um, making you know magic kind of not irrelevant. That's not the word he uses, but you know it'll be set to the side. But I think, I think this book, I think David's work, I think your work kind of suggests otherwise, you know, here we are with, like you say, with these smartphones, and yet we can still be transported. We are still, I don't even know if fascinated is the right word, but I'm going to come back to that phrase of David's appetite for wonder. Most right. of us seem to have it, Richard. Yeah, I think that's right. And a kind of need for mystery. Yeah, that's uh, and, good. I love it. Which yeah. is, I think, important as, as well. Um, yeah, it's so good. And, and I think the magic has a, a kind of simplicity. The world mm. is is very complicated, and and we know that with technology, you know, even though it might be simple to use, there's a vast amount of of, of kind of complicated stuff behind it. But good magic looks effortless. It's it's just magical stuff happening right in front of you, and I think that's a very appealing appealing thought. I love that uh, we're going to wrap up here in a minute or two. I know you've got your ideas meeting to get to. And I, gotta, <laughs> I, gotta, <clears throat> I have another coffee. I've got a brew and I've got to finish this book. I loved your phrase early on in the interview that, you know, after reading uh, Carnegie's book, uh, How to Win Friend and Influence People, it was quite handy to be likable as a magician. <laughs> it's, it's quite useful. It's quite useful. <laughs> useful. And, yes. and you know what? The English accent makes that just all, it fills it with import, by the way. I see. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so here we go. I'm going to quote from, from the book, quote, and this is right in the introduction, David Copperfield, thank you for the book. Richard, thank you. David Britland for putting this together. That It's just, it, it is gorgeous. I, I'm proud to own it at the risk of sounding corny and, and having a blast going through it. Quote, magic matters. It transports people into a world in which the impossible appears possible. Precious items appear out of nowhere. Objects defy gravity and people are sawed in half and magically restored. Watching a great magic show opens people's minds and inspires them to achieve the extraordinary in their everyday lives. Close quote. That's right out of uh, David Copperfield's new book, History of Magic, uh, co-written with uh, our special guest today, Richard Wiseman. Richard, what a what a pleasure. Uh, can I give you 59 seconds to, to, to wrap it up for us? I, I went there, Richard. Sorry. Um, 59 seconds. Well, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, if I've got... <laughs> If I've got 59, what I wouldn't do is be wasting uh, a vast amount of time at the beginning of the 59 seconds explaining that I didn't very have very much to say in the remainder of the time. Uh, but in the, oh my goodness, I've wasted a few more seconds. In the, I think we're down in to the 27 few, now. Down, down to 27, maximally. Uh, well, I'd like to thank you yeah. uh, for inviting me on the show and also just for being you. I mean, I, I don't know how many people have thanked you for being you, but there should be more of them. Well, wow, that's really cool and kind and, and lovely. And I'm pretty sure there wasn't a sarcastic tone to that, but I, I'm- you know, I, I, The thing is, as well as having an English accent, uh, I also have a voice, which sounds like everything I say sounds sarcastic. <laughs> it's it's a blessing and a curse. Well, you definitely I, have a little bit of, a, I think, an Eric Idle-like or John Cleese-like delivery that I have just- it's, it's my entire life. It's like, you know, I go to a wedding, I say, oh, congratulations, it sounds sarcastic. Um, so it's 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 been it's been very difficult. Uh, but what it does mean is that when I say something that does sound sarcastic, it could be genuine or it could be deeply sarcastic. Quite frankly, <laughs> well, there's isn't no way that knowing. what you want people to think? Once you've learned I how to fake so. sincerity, Richard, it's yes, 
you've got everything sorted out. It, really. it adds that little bit of mystery to their lives. That's right. Um, and and annoys them for, for annoys a very long period of time. Well. Yeah, what, just like magic. What a what a crazy, wonderful, beautiful, ridiculous pleasure having you on the show, Richard. I can't tell you. Uh, I, I feel like at the risk of how's this for not sarcastic? I feel like I'm a better person having having connected with you, and 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 I'm looking forward to reading 59 Seconds, folks. You can get Richard's books uh, where where good books are sold. Please pick up a copy of David Copperfield's History of Magic. It's it's stunning and it's it's easy to get. It's at all the usual digital bookstores, but real ones too. To, and Richard, uh, it's richardwiseman.com, uh, Richard, where people can it, find it out is more about- Yeah, put Richard Wiseman into Google. Yeah. Um, ignore most of the links, but the one that comes eventually on page 20, uh, that's that's my <laughs> stuff. Right. So um, yes. Page 20. Well, we've been talking with Richard Wiseman here today on Face to Face. What a pleasure, Richard, having you on the show. It's It's been a real delight. Thank you very much indeed. So there you have it, my interview with Richard Wiseman. What a wonderful guy. And I had so much fun in this conversation and getting to know Richard a little bit more, not only about his work, but about him and, and who he is and, and what he does. And David Copperfield's History of Magic's the book. Check it out online. Check out Richard as well, richardwiseman.com, uh, for more information about the work that he does. And if you're interested in, in what I'm up to, davidpecklive.com, you can find out more information about my writing and speaking there. And face-to-facelive.ca will get you to... We're getting close now, folks, close to 600 interviews online. I can't believe uh, we're coming up on that number, but it's it's been, oh, wow, I guess it's been about eight years now. If you like what I'm up to here, please leave a review online. Uh, with, it's, it's so important. Please mediate us. Mediate the heck out of us if you can. Send us uh, to family and friends. Sign up for our newsletter. That goes out about four times a year. But a review would be important and would mean a great deal to me. Spotify, iTunes, something along those lines. If you're listening on uh, YouTube, like us there and subscribe and um, subscribe to to the podcast where you listen. That's always uh, helpful for us as well. But what a pleasure uh, being along for this face-to-face ride for the last, I guess, almost eight years now. Uh, getting to be able to meet people like Richard is is just, it's it's wonderful. It's, and, and it, I, I hope it, in, it's, it, these conversations are enriching your life too, because I know they are uh, f- um, for me, getting to know uh, people and going Going a little bit deeper, pulling back those layers, you know, and this um, this appetite for wonder, as David Copperfield says in this book, is is something I think that can uh, it's a lesson for us to to take into all aspects. It seems to me of our lives. So uh, thanks again for listening to Face to Face, RichardWiseman.com, David Copperfield's History of Magic, and we will uh, see you next time. 